Well, good morning. Hey, is the mic working? Huh? Am I good? All right. They said they'd charge up here after me if it wasn't working. So, All right. Hey, great to be with you. Uh, I know you would have liked to really just kind of stood around and fellowship some more and talk some more. That'd be great. Maybe you can do that after the service. But hey, it's good to be here. We're, we're kind of sad that uh, Pastor Kerry isn't here, but, but we do have some of his family, huh? And we're excited about the days ahead and uh, look forward to Pastor Kerry getting back. Look forward to Jonathan uh, coming up. Yeah, I don't have to be so energized this morning because, I mean, Jonathan will just take care of all that next week, you know? I mean, he's just like, you know, you know how personalities are, right? I'm kind of more just kind of, oh, you know, go along. And then Jonathan is, zoop, you know, and so love that, and uh, I appreciate the differences. So, wow. So today, uh, you've heard past couple weeks, you know, that people say they get up here and uh, uh, like Bill Malik, you know, got up here and said, well, I can't see. And so I'm going to do something that I've only done once before. Hopefully this will work. I'm going to use one of these electronic gadgets because uh, so, otherwise I'm holding my Bible out here trying to get some light to see. And that's why I'm so excited about the remodeling, huh? You know how it's like in your, your home, right? You get into a home and you set things up and then you, you think that's the way it's going to be. And then maybe somebody comes in, suggests something different. Maybe it's your mother-in-law or something. I don't know. And, and so, so they, they suggest something and... And, and you kind of make this little change. You say, well, why didn't we do that before? And, and I think that's going to be, I've seen some of the plans that Jeremy's drawn up, and, and I'm excited about the change that's going to take place. And, hey, and thanks for those of you who are volunteering uh, to, to help out. And, you know, it's always good when there's a master plan, and then we can kind of join in and, and do what the master plan says, right? And uh, it, that's a whole lot better than to come in and say, well, we think it ought to be done this way or, or whatever, so... So thanks for volunteering and uh, being uh, just gracious enough to serve the Lord in that way. First Sunday of the year. Wow. Hey, can I step down here? Is it okay if I, am I okay here? All right. It's okay if I walk around and tap somebody on the shoulder and ask you to speak? Or No. Oh, I'm just, just, just checking. Just checking. I didn't say I'd do it. Just checking. Okay, so, so it's the first Sunday of the year. Pastor Kerry said, you know, a lot of times I preach on this topic. You might want to do that, but you can do anything you want. So I chose the latter. Okay. Uh, so uh, I was gonna I was gonna be preaching from uh, Book of Hebrews, chapter eleven. You know what that is? Huh? Faith, faith. That kind of that hall of faith where it goes through men and women of the Bible who were really messed up, but really had a lot of faith. And, you know, we're kind of messed up, but maybe we could act with a lot of faith toward our God and our trust in Him. But then I decided, no, that's not what God's leading me to preach on. So, uh, so then I backed up to Hebrews chapter 10. And there's a passage of Scripture. You know, the whole book of Hebrews, listen, listen here's how Hebrews starts out. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets in many, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The Son, 
is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His likeness. After He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Well, that's the first three verses, I guess. That's a great way to start out. And throughout the book of Hebrews, the superiority of Jesus Christ is lifted up. He's superior to the angels. He's superior to the Old Testament priests. He's superior to Moses. He's he's, he's superior. He's number one. And then in chapter 10 is where we're going to today. Verses 19 through 25. I believe it's, uh, I believe it's in your insert. Hey, uh, kudos to Susan. You know, the copier broke down, and she said, well, it's going to cost us a couple hundred bucks to get bulletins printed. Let's not do that. Huh? Uh, good, good decision. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need that, but she did get the, the insert printed up, and, uh, and you'll have that in a few moments. I'll give you the fill in the blanks. We can get the, all that cared for. Okay. But Hebrews chapter 10 Verses 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, uh, you know what? Could we stand? We stand. I love that tradition, and I almost missed it. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Let's pray. Father God, would you speak to us this morning through your word? Guide and direct by your Holy Spirit that the things which we hear today and walk out of this room with will be from you, not from, any, not from me or anyone else. But work in us by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So this is the fill-in-your-blank part, okay? We'll just get that cared for right away for those of you who need that. Okay. There are five invitations in this passage. We are invited to draw near to God. That's your invitation, to draw near to God. Secondly, there's an invitation to hold unswervingly or hold fast to the hope that we profess. An invitation to consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. 
an invitation to continue on meeting together, not to give up, not to give up. An invitation to encourage one another. Now, those are the five invitations. Maybe they're exhortations, but I'm going to call them invitations that the Scripture gives us this morning. I want to share with you today some of, so as we go through these, and then but I want you to know that we're, it's really, I want us to focus on the encouragement part today. That's what we're drawing down to. Now, we need to draw to God and, and draw from Him and, and consider all of our relationship with Him and who He is and how that affects us and, and how we walk with Him if we're really going to encourage one another. So we've started a new year. How exciting is that? Well, for some, it's not very exciting. No, no, really. They look like another year. Man, is it really going to be like it was last year? I know some that are kind of discouraged. Some that don't see any way out of their situation. They, they feel trapped. That may be you. Maybe 2013 didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to. The expectations that you had had for 2013 just weren't met. And you don't see any way out of it. And you're hurting. For others, you you think, 2014 is going to be a great year. Not because of the Seahawks. But 2014 is going to to be a great year. And you just look and you're filled with hope and you're filled with expectation and you you've got maybe a new job my son's got a new job he's full of expectation of what that's going to be like you know he was living in a time where it was oh is there any way out of where i'm at right now 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 things have, have kind of turned and maybe that's where you're at i've been contemplating the past few weeks i have heard i think i've even heard it from set up here. I'm not, I'm not sure about that, okay, but I think maybe I did, about this whole idea of New Year's resolutions and, and people not wanting to make them. How many are making New Year's resolutions? Ooh. Really? How many have thought about making a New Year's resolution? I just think the turn of the new year is a good time to focus and say, God, what has happened in the past in 2013? God, what would you have for me in 2014? God, by your grace and by your spirit, here's what I resolve to do. Well, that's just an idea. But think about it. You know, in the scripture, there were, there were times of markers where they put these little pillars, and it was kind of reminding them of where they had been, but it also reminded them of the faithfulness of God and, and where we could go. Well, I, I hope that you will reconsider on the resolution part. Not that you would do something in your own strength and try to, try to muster up enough courage or ambition or, or whatever, but that you would resolve to trust God increasingly. And that by doing that, you might say, I'm going to trust God this year. I'm going to make a difference in somebody else's life. Maybe it's like we'll talk about in a few moments, encouragement. I I, I just realized I better watch time, okay? Yeah. Okay, so 
because what I'm saying right now isn't anything that I planned. So, uh, <laughs> yikes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Maybe, maybe God could use you to make a difference in one other person's life. Maybe, maybe to share your faith with them that they might come to know Jesus and have a new eternal home. Whatever it might be. Maybe, maybe you don't want to make this New Year's resolution because you've made it in the past that you're going to like read through the whole Bible or you're going to read through the New Testament. Or, but I encourage you to, to make a commitment, some kind of commitment, that you're going to be in God's Word on a daily basis. I don't, five minutes. Why? Because it's the Word of God. Just, just a, it's the Word of God. <laughs> this doesn't work. You, it's the Word of God. And I really like old school stuff, you know, printed page. It's, it's the Word of God that really reveals God to us and who He is and what He is like and what He's about and what He's doing and what He wants to do in our life. So it's kind of good to look at the, the plan book, right? So, having said all that, well, let's get back to Hebrews. We are encouraged to draw near to God. We are invited to draw near to God. But, but who is this God that we are invited to draw near to? Tell me something about him. Participation time, okay? All right, tell me something about God. Just give me an attribute of God. Let's, let's do a whole bunch of little, little pop-up things, attributes of God. What's God like? He's um that's a that's a huge big word. <laughs> wow, omnipotent. Does anybody know what that word means? He's all powerful. Well, how cool is that? We walk and serve a God who is all powerful. That means he can well, he can do a lot, right? There's nothing limiting him. Okay, what's another one of those big words? Uh, um, omnipresent. Yeah, you already used omnipotent. Okay. <laughs> omnipresent. Oh, let's try to figure out what that means. Any ideas over here? Everywhere. Everywhere. That means there's no place that I can go and hide from God. Yeah, so just figure that out for your New Year's resolution, okay? Yeah, you're not going to hide. Okay, what else? Omniscient. Who said that? All-knowing. He knows everything before it comes off the tip of our tongue. He knows the words in our mouth. He knows the thoughts. God's patient. Oh, praise God. Huh? What else? He's just. Oh, aren't you glad? Yeah. And I'm glad that those fit together. Yeah, I'm glad that God's both of those. That he doesn't give us what we justly deserve. <laughs> He's forgiving. So this is the God that we are encouraged, invited to draw near to, plus a whole lot of other things of holy, righteous, pure. Oh. And he's unchanging. It's not like tomorrow he's going to wake up and there's going to be a different plan of salvation. You know? God is unchanging. The promises he has made, he'll fulfill. 
So, so how do we draw near to God? How do you draw near to God? Okay, participation time again. How do you draw near to God? Pray. Uh, that's the one I heard. Any others? Spend time with Him. Worship. I, I didn't hear that. Be faith. Read. Okay. So, yeah, and we want to do it according to this passage. Those are great things, and those are the things I wanted to hear. Okay? But, but it says here in this passage of Scripture that we do it with a sincere heart. In other words, not half-heartedly. Let's, let's sell out to God. <laughs> let's, let's go for it. We have every reason to draw near to Him because of the very things that you have mentioned and more. The Bible says, remember this, the Bible says that we love God because He first loved us. He's drawing us to Himself. Let us draw near to Him. And we come in full assurance of faith, literally an openness or an outspokenness. As Christians, we approach our God boldly, freely. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Jesus, remember when uh, in, twice in the in those past few months, this has been mentioned about the the veil being torn and the opportunity to enter into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God. Jesus has made that possible for us to enter right into the presence of God. Oops, that's too. Oh, ooh, boy, this thing gets out of control if you flip the pages too fast. Okay, oh, whew. okay, so consider what he has done for us okay so here now i got to go old school okay which is good okay on the back here on the on you know side one's a fill in the blank on the other side is who i am in christ who i am in christ oh this is why we can approach god this is wonderful oh by the way you know i was going to preach this a few weeks ago and i decided to switch up and and do something different and then so here we are the last time I put this in, the, 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 as an insert, uh, I just had the scripture verses. And it didn't have all of the fill-in-the-blank parts, right? So, so I've done your homework. Now, I could have had Rob just get up and recite all things, because he went home that Sunday afternoon and, and looked up all the scriptures and, 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 and filled it all out. Huh? Because, you know why he did that? Because... Well, he, he just he loves to learn. He loves to learn about God, but also he's a, a small group leader and he wanted to be prepared. No. <laughs> but, but look at it here. It says, you know, I am God's child. We're, we're God's child. We have been justified. God has declared us to be righteous in his sight. Positionally, we are righteous in our standing before God. We are united with the Lord. We are one in spirit with Him. We have been bought with a price. We belong to God. We are a member of Christ's body. You are saints. You know what a saint is? You know what a saint is? That's, that's, that's a holy one. That's one who is set apart for God. And that's what you are. That's what the Scripture describes you as. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for you who have placed your faith in Him. We have been adopted as, as God's children. 
We have direct access to God through the Holy Spirit. We are redeemed. We are forgiven of our sins. We are complete in Christ. Say, I don't feel so complete. You look at me and say, I know you're not complete. Yeah, but positionally I am. In Christ, I am complete. One day it will all take place. We're free from condemnation. Some of you entering into this new year are self-condemning. God says that you are free from condemnation. I could go on with this list. I encourage you to read through it, look up the scripture, read it in context. It's a great thing. It's it's from a little book called, uh, anybody know? Uh, Victory, Victory, uh, who's that by? You remember Neil Anderson? Yeah, okay, good. We got that cared for. And uh, it's, it's a great book to read. And I thought I had it at the bottom of the page. Okay. So, so we approach him full of faith. Because, not, not because we muster up the faith in ourselves, right? But because of what Christ has done for us and our position in Christ and who we are in Christ. But the Scripture says, what God says about us through His Holy Word, about who we are in Christ, we can approach God boldly. And we have our, because we we are having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Hebrews chapter 9 describes what the Old Testament covenant was like compared to the New Covenant. The blood of goats and bulls of the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve a living God? God has redeemed us. He has cleansed us. He has cleansed our consciences. And and it says, so that we may serve a living God. Not just so we can sit back and say, yeah, I'm cleansed. No, but so that we can engage in the activities that God is doing upon this earth. Having our bodies washed with pure water, this is that imagery of an external action that, that actually pictures an inward, inward cleansing. That we have been washed. Baptism. We had a baptism not long ago, right? Baptism is that outward picture of what God has done within our lives. Remember, we, we go down into the water and we come up symbolizing the death and the resurrection, reminding ourselves of that passage of Scripture, I have been crucified with Christ, but it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Oh, I was listening. Steve Green has a song and, and happened to be on my uh, you know, little player today, you know, a phone, I guess, or something that connected to the car and it all worked. And that's the song that came on and it says, I'm crucified with Christ. And nevertheless, I live. And in that song, he repeats it several times. I am crucified with Christ. 
That's our position. That's who we are as a church, as those who are called out by God. I know I, I said this a few weeks ago, but... <laughs> yeah. By the way, Chris, those, those songs this morning, those were great. And, and, and way to go singing those songs. Huh? Way to go singing those songs this morning. But boy, those are a challenge. When you really think about the words, you think back upon the words that you were so joyfully singing, boy, sounds to me like you're making some New Year's resolutions. I don't know. But, but, but the old hymn says, Would you be free from, your burden, from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. And there's wonderful power in the blood of Christ. And he has cleansed us so we can approach him fresh and anew every day. We can draw near to our God. And then we hold unswervingly to that hope we profess. We hold fast to it. The New Testament uses the phrase, hold swervingly to speak of remaining true to a tradition or doctrine. We encourage to remain true to our confession, referring both to to the truth that we believe. Now listen to this. Referring not only to the truth that we believe about God, but also what we communicate about what we believe. We hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And he who promised is faithful. God makes a promise. We described some of his attributes earlier. And one of them is he doesn't change. He's made a promise. He's not going to change. There might be times, though, when you feel just like giving up. It's like quitting. Anybody been there? You don't have to raise your hand. Because I know you have. We all have. We all have. Maybe some of us are there today. And maybe you need to hear today. Again. Again, because you've heard it before. Or maybe for the first time. But God wants you to draw near to him. But remember, if, if we love him, it's because he first loved us. Oh, he's done so much for us. <sighs> Hebrews 13.8 reminds us of the, the idea that he never changes. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So let us then also, let us consider, this is another invitation, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. What comes, what image comes to your mind when you think of spur one another on? Well, I think of horses. I think of, you know, the cowboy boots, and I think of the spurs that go on that. And that's the kind of the idea. That we are to prod one another on, or to, one, one translation, you stimulate one another. Or stimu- and the idea of stimulate strongly, to arouse. In fact, the word even has the idea of incite to riot. So, let us consider how we may incite others to riot. No, uh, to, let us consider how we might spur 
stimulate, encourage one another to love and good deeds. Love, you know, not just that warm emotion. Though there is warm emotion involved, right? But that we make some choices and act regardless of how our feelings that we choose to act on behalf of another, not on the basis of how we feel sometimes, but on the basis we know that's what God wants us to do. And good deeds, work done for the good of others, which attract others to Christ. And let's not give up meeting together. Okay? Have you ever felt like not attending church one Sunday? Oh, oh, please, please don't say it. No. You know, sometimes you just get up in the morning and say, oh, no, it's not, I'm not going legalist here that you have to be, I just, there are times when we don't feel like being together, but then that can can become more and more like where we don't show up. And I have people that I know, people that I love, uh, one person comes to mind right now, former pastor. I, uh, my family went to visit his family one time. My kids Saturday night said, what time do we have to be up for church? And he says, well, we don't go to church. I said, really? <laughs> and I said some other things to him. Um, <sighs> oh, by the way, he got back into church with his family, his kids just wonderful, serving the Lord, and uh, yeah. But see, we, we, we can't do this. The, when God designed this thing, he designed us as a church to, to, to live together as we are a body and there's all these different many parts, and we have to function together. We're not designed to be Lone Rangers. This Lone Ranger Christian thing, where I can really love God and just not be a part of the church. You can love God and not be a part of the church, but you're really missing out. And not only you're missing out, but others are missing out because we need one another. We are designed by God. We might as well follow God's design, huh? We're designed by God as a church to be together. Now, what that looks like and what that means, that could be another discussion someplace else. But to withdraw from a corporate worship is to weaken ourselves and others in the body of Christ. It's not just about us. It's about the body. Uh, John Wesley... I don't know if John Wesley is trying to overstate this or is he, he, I don't know, but listen to this. You know John Wesley, that great Methodist preacher and, you know, Methodist church and, and, you know, he rode on horseback for hours and preached, you know, like 12 million sermons or something a day. I don't know. But uh, he had a great impact um, and a great life for God. Here's, Here's one thing he said. There is nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. I think the point he was trying to get across is we need to be together. Church needs to be together. So then let us encourage one another. 
there are times when there are times when we come up with all sorts of creative reasons not to encourage one another. Because encouragement can be tough. It can be hard. It can take time. It can take effort. It can take vulnerability. I read the story uh, a number of years ago about this man that fell into a pit. And he couldn't get himself out. And there was a subjective person that came along and said, I feel for you down in that pit. An objective person walked by and said, well, now it's logical that somebody would fall into that pit. A Pharisee said, only bad people fall into the pit. A mathematician calculated how deep the pit was A news reporter wanted an exclusive right on the pit. An IRS agent, you know where this is going, wanted to know if taxes were being paid upon the pit. A self-pitying person said, you haven't seen anything until you've seen my pit. A fire and brimstone preacher said, you deserve your pit. A Christian scientist observed, the pit is just in your mind. A psychologist noted, your mother and father are to blame for you being in this pit. A self-esteem therapist said, believe in yourself and you can get out of this pit. An optimist said, things could be worse. The pessimist said, things will get worse. And Jesus, seeing the man down in the pit, reached down his hand and drew him up out of the pit. And I'm asking you today, who do you need to reach out a hand to? To draw them out of the pit. Not think of reasons why they might be in the pit or how they can get out of the pit, or if it's their fault if they're in the pit, or whose fault it is. But who do you need to reach a hand to that you know are just kind of in the pits of life right now. And you need to reach a hand out to them and draw them out of the pit by the power of Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit within you. Who do you need to reach out to? Don't respond. But in your mind, who is God bringing to your mind? You see, we cannot be concerned just for our own spiritual well-being. That's not the way God has designed us. God designed the church. In the passage that we read, said we must do this all the more as we see the day approaching. And I take that to understand that as we see the return of Jesus coming, that day when he culminates things. Hebrews 3.13 says, Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, that's a verse to contemplate. Let me read it one more time. Encourage one another daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Whoa. 
So I believe that the Bible is calling. I believe that the Bible is calling us not only to draw near to God for ourselves, He is, but for the benefit of others also. Encourage them to draw close to God. Encourage them to serve Him, to trust in Him. So I want to invite you today, based on this passage, to become an intentional encourager. Now, being an intentional encourager isn't easy. It takes thought. It takes time. It takes effort. It may take money. I don't know what it's going to take, but it's going to take a lot of things. If you are going to intentionally commit yourself to encourage others, most of us live in, in, in kind of fast-paced lives. Not, not everybody, but, but most of us seem to find things to take up our day, right? And we wonder how, how we're going to squeeze anything else but but just think about the people that you know uh, let's see I'm gonna pass over that uh, okay make a list make a make a list of some of the people that you know either in your mind down on a piece of paper uh, start with those close by you your your family your extended family your co-workers your neighbors Just make a list just of who they are. And say, God, does any one of these direct me if anybody here needs encouragement, maybe that I don't even know about right now. God, who would you have me make an effort to encourage? Ask, what can I do today to encourage someone on my list? What, what can I do? It's very simple stuff. This is not rocket science, okay? But sometimes we just never get around to it. Put yourself in that person's shoes. Spend a few moments thinking about what their daily routine might be like. Or what are the circumstances that they find themselves in. Express your feelings. Oops. Hmm. Some of that's going to be hard, you know. But express your feelings. Just tell them you care about them. Tell them that, you know, that maybe you want to write a note, you know. You can send a text message, but maybe it'd be good to do something on paper, huh? Now, don't you kind of like it when you get something in the mail? You know, I mean, it's personal, not the junk mail, but the personal stuff. Take time just to write a note. I've got some, some little cards made up that, uh, that I'm sending out, and just on the outside it says, Today. And you open it up, and it says, I prayed for you. And then I just jot a note. Just one or two sentences, because if I wrote any more, they couldn't read the stuff anyway. You know, so, you know, it's, we, we can encourage one another. And here's what I'm convinced of. If we as a church go about encouraging one another within the family of God, the family of God will be more strengthened, encouraged, and released to serve God. And when we encourage people outside the family of God, it might be that they'll come to Christ by the love that they see us showing them. So uh, bring those you care about into the presence of God. Pray for them first before you write the note. Okay. 
Intentionally keep looking, noticing, asking what's going on in the lives of the people around me. Just say, God, make me aware. And then what can I do? Don't become discouraged at the abundance of needs because there are just so, so many. But who is it that God wants you to speak to? For you you to make the phone call to? For you to write the note to, to? To go to a cup of coffee? Whatever it might be. Okay, so... I think you get the idea. We can do so. We can be encouragers to one another because of what Christ has done for us and because of who Christ is. And remember that he lives within us who have called upon him to be our Lord and Savior. We're going to come to the Lord's table this morning. You're going to have opportunity to come forward and to to partake of, of the bread and the cup. Here's a passage of scripture that instructs us. Paul is writing, For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment to himself. And that's quite a warning. So let's take an opportunity. Just quietly ask the Lord to examine our hearts. And that if he would reveal any ways of error, any sin in our lives, we might offer up confession before him right now. And then claim but it says in 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and we take him at his word. Let's take just a few moments of silence. Chris. And Father, we just ask you now to reveal our hearts to us and what areas of our lives that you would want us to bring before you and confess right now before we partake of the bread and the juice which represent your body and your blood. So the Lord took the bread, he broke it, and he said to those sitting around him, this is my body, which is for you. We've heard that phrase so often. 
can you imagine what it might have been like for them sitting around? Jesus said, this is my body. Or when he took the cup, this is my blood shed for you. This is a holy time that we come to. There's bread and juice over there and over here. I'd like to invite you just to come as, as God directs, as the band is playing. Break off a piece of bread representing the body of Christ and the sacrifice that he made for us and the wine, the life that he gives to us. So just take a piece of bread remembering that it represents the body of Christ, dip it into the juice. And this is a reminder of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And it's also a reminder that one day he'll return and come to 